Welcome to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm your host, Les Swartz. Thanks for joining us. Just wanted to let everyone know real quickly, we will not have a live chat session tonight. Our girl's not here, unfortunately. She's on vacation, which is good for her, but bad for us. But we'll be back next Wednesday with a live chat so you can actually ask questions to the guests or myself, and we can answer those. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, tonight, we've got a great show for you. We're going to preview the Ryder Cup, the 44th edition of the Ryder Cup, being played in Marco Simone Golf Course and Country Club at Guidonia. Montecilio, Italy. I just want to make sure I had that right. Uh, so we're back on European soil. The United States hasn't won on European soil since 1993. And a team captained by Tom Watson at the Belfry. To, to put that in perspective, the last time they won on European soil, I was 30 years old. I'm two years away from early retirement, which means two things. Number one, it's been a long time, and number two, I'm old. With that, I'm going to bring on our first guest to talk about the Ryder Cup and some golf and some great stories as well. He's got some great ones. Former University of Arizona and University of San Diego Torero golfer, Lance Seymour. Hey, Hey, Lance. Lance. Thanks for having me. First of all, we both both are Charger fans. You're rocking the Lance Allworth jersey, who you were named after. I was. And we've got John Jefferson, the autographed JJ, behind us. So uh, it's Love kind it. of like golf and a Charger theme show tonight, right? Right, right. We can certainly bond over that. Being a Charger fan is a very difficult existence. It is. And and, and we just get worse news every week. It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, this is going to be a big one. This is probably the biggest no doubt about a team event in golf, no doubt, the Ryder Cup, with, you know, indifferences to the Solheim Cup and the President's Cup and the Walker Cup. It's really the Ryder Cup, right? This is this is the big one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it absolutely is. And, you know, it's been a long time. I've been personally waiting for a long time for the U.S. team to sort of turn over. You know, we had that, that era with Phil and Tiger when it just seemed like we should have been dominating and we were not doing so. Uh, in fact, it was quite the opposite. And and now we've turned over the team. We've got a young, hungry group, and I can't wait to see what we can do on their soil. Now, before we even get to the rosters, I know I, I'm, you're going to go over kind of the format because, you know, mm-hmm. I've been watching this for years and still did not understand what, you know, the difference of four ball and foursome was. And you're going to explain that to us. But like you just mentioned, we've had guys like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. We've had a team loaded with top 10 and top 15 talent against the Europeans before, and they've just blasted us. Why do you think is the reason why, for some unknown reason, we have the individual talent per world mm-hmm. rankings, but we just can't beat these guys? In if you, if you, Right. It Well, they even beat us here a number of times. If you play team golf, it losing and winning is contagious. And it inf, it just sort of seems to infect the group. Like when I've been part of teams, if you get a birdie run going and everybody's high five and having a good time, um, it, it's infectious. Other people start making putts, hitting good shots. Now, the exact opposite is the case. You know, if if you send your stud out there, Tiger Woods, the all-time great player, and he's getting whipped in the first match, pressure begins to filter down the team. And it just seems to be a contagion that you can't stop. And Europe had the opposite. They're the underdogs. They're playing loose. They got Sergio, and you know they had their Spaniard teams with Ballesteros and Sergio and Alatha Ball. And um, they just seem to find these pairings that bring energy across the board. And, and we never had that. For us, it, it seemed to feel like pressure. You know, like 
you just didn't want to lose. You didn't want to be the guy that blew it. And, and it seemed to infect everyone. And from what they, they all say, the ones who play in this thing, they're saying that this is more pressure packed than even a major going down the stretch. They feel oh, yeah. more pressure on the first tee or to make a 10 or 15 foot putt to save par or, or, or make that birdie to win or have the hole than they do when they're playing like on a Sunday on the last two holes of a tournament. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, imagine you're playing in an event with all your friends and you guys divide it into teams and it comes down to that last day and you're the guy that's got to make the five footer to determine whether you're going to win or lose. That's a lot harder than the 20 bucks or 30 bucks you might have in an individual match. Um, and in their case, millions, right. but they can handle the money. They can handle dealing with golf is a game of failure. It's how you handle it. Um, but when you're playing for the flag and the respect of the whole PGA tour, and fans all over the world. It's a tough, I haven't done it, but I can only imagine. So we start on Friday. Um, I just checked mm -hmm. it out. It's going to be broadcast like in the middle of the night here, at least on the oh, East Coast, I know. because the games are obviously five hours you know, ahead of time in Italy. But I know that obviously, I think it's going to be four, I, I don't know, I don't know, is it four ball first, or is it going to be foursome first on Fridays? And can you- They're going to do- it, it's it's traditionally four ball first, okay. but the Europeans have smartly in this instance, instance um, flipped it upside down, and they're going to do what you and I would probably call alternate shot, okay. uh, which is foursomes. They're going to do that first. There are two in the last two Ryder Cups. They're two twelve and two in that format. They drum us every time, and I don't know why. There's no logic. It's not like we don't know how to pair alternate shot up together. It's just seems to be that that way. So. They're looking to put us behind the eight ball, put the pressure on us, knowing that we're the favorites again, um, and and hope to just get out to a lead and put the heat on us. So both days are going to start with alternate shot and then move into best ball, which is the four, uh, four ball. And that is basically you play your own ball, uh, tee to green, and yeah. the best score is counted, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. The best score from each side um, counts for the team and you go on. And then Sundays are the singles. We put out all 12 of our players against 12 of theirs. And you either win, you lose, or you have. There's obviously you can have a point if it comes in a tie. Correct? Yes. Yes. And yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. And now I do know that two years ago, it, it whistling straights, we obviously, we drubbed the Europeans. I mean, it was a beatdown. Yeah. But we also had a lot of players on that team that are not on this team for, and we'll talk about that, the whole live situation, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. But what I'd like to do right now if, uh, is we can bring up the Team USA roster. And what we're going to do is we'll, we'll look at the roster real quickly in the, in the actual world rankings from Team USA. And we can take a look at that right now. Uh, we've got... Actually, we've got three rookies that are top 10 in the world, which is yeah, incredible. It, it is. And honestly, they're the ones that worry me. I, I have a few people on this team that just experienced gives me pause. I have no problem with Max Homa. The guy's clutch. He's proven it time and time again. It, it, my opinion, these guys have played great. But if you go to their finishes, Brian Harmon, Wyndon Clark, you know, they had hot stretches where they defied all their career averages uh, and then started finishing 25th, 30th, 50th in all the tournaments again, still making good paychecks. Mm -hmm. But it's the strength of their major wins that put those rankings where they are. And I love the guy, 
but I'm worried about Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I wanted to get to that because there is, you know, in the golf world, there was two real controversial picks. Um, Fowler being one of them. And mm-hmm. the other being Justin Thomas, and we'll get to Justin. But and and everyone loves Ricky, right? I mean, he's a great guy. He 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 signs all the autographs. We're all happy that he he kind of got out of his funk the last five or six years and finished. He's mm-hmm. right now world ranked twenty fifth. But I look at his record, his overall record, and especially in Europe, he's one six and five. Yeah, three five and seven overall exactly. in his career. And you know, I've watched so many of his matches over the years, and and. He comes up just a hair short every time. Not every time, obviously, but um, there's just, he's close, he's competitive, he's always right there, but it just doesn't seem to go our way as much as you, well, and this was when he was still kind of the up-and-coming young gun, mm-hmm. and you, you don't go through five, six-year slumps in golf for no reason. It's usually up here, and um, I just worry that the pressure he's going to revert um, and the, one of the reasons I admire Ricky is when you look at the, the, the profiles of the people that jumped to live golf, he would have been somebody you could see making the jump, not because of his age. A lot of them jump. They're at the end of their careers. We can go through those guys later. But Ricky was a big name. He was going to get a massive nine-figure paycheck to go over there, and he didn't do it. He stayed because he wanted to continue to compete with the best in the world and play for a legacy. And I can't help but admire the guy for that. Do you think that being on the team is kind of a reward for that? I, I I do. And, you know, part of part of it, Europe always had this camaraderie thing um, over us. And part of it is he's part of that glue, that, that Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. All these guys grew up together. Uh, playing golf. They've known each other since grade school, junior golf, high school golf, college golf. And there's part of that belief in picking each other up. And that was sort of what the Europeans always had to uh, over us with their country countrymanship pairings. And um, I think that's part of what they're trying to keep together because that's when we turned the tide. Now, you also, you obviously, we, we touched on Justin Thomas as well, who, again, incredibly likable player, great guy. I mean, everyone loves Justin. You know, he just did not have a great year. You know, he's really not in form. He just played in a tournament a few weeks ago uh, on the on the fall swing, and he finished in fifth place, which mm-hmm. was a really good placing for him because he really hadn't done much. He he didn't even he didn't even qualify for the FedEx Cup this year, right? So um, maybe there was like people talked about Cam Young. You know, you passed over him. He's world number 17. Uh, uh, Lucas Glover has been hot. He won two tournaments. Didn't have a great showing in the FedEx Cup final in, in the Tour Championship, but, you know, had two wins in a row, was was definitely informed. Tony Finau was a top 25 player. Why do you think mm-hmm. Zach Johnson took ultimately took Justin Thomas? Uh, Justin Thomas is our Sergio Garcia. He's our Ian Poulter. He is the emotional energy for the team. He is the glue that binds them together. And I, I don't, I know his form was not good leading up to this, but I think he's going to turn it around. He already has. Um, And he's the kind of guy he runs on emotion and whether he was, I don't know what happened this year. If he was bored or just whatever was getting to him. Did he get married? Yeah. Well, there you go. That that could be it. Um, But uh, he's going to turn it around. He's going to be fine. I don't think we need to worry about him. 
when it when it comes to the captain's picks, and I don't want to jump ahead. Am I jumping ahead on you here no. with the? Okay. Where where I have a problem is you know originally going into this, it was going to be no live golfers on this team. Now, Kepka made it impossible to deny winning a major, playing great in the other majors. But if I'm going to build this team and I truly want to win, I don't know how I'm taking Ricky over DJ. I, I, and I know he hasn't played that good recently, kind of like Justin Thomas, but this is Dustin Johnson we're talking about. Right. He's going to turn it around. He was 5-0 and last year or two years ago. So I don't know how you leave him off. I'm on the fence about DeChambeau. You know, he's not the most likable guy on the planet. That's true. Um, but he is intimidating. And he does seem to rise to the, to the occasion, which is what you need in this Ryder Cup. And that's where I worry, like, it seems like guys that have, have struggled in the past tend to struggle again. You know, it's that Charger mentality. Sorry to bring it up again, but um, you, you, you're running out there to kick that game-winning field goal. You know how you and I are both feeling. <laughs> like it's Crazy. you're not confident yeah here comes the wide right you know whatever um so it, it, it patterns tend to repeat themselves and guys that have been successful tend to repeat it um tend to get their energy up their games come back and then vice versa well, I think that's a great look at the U.S. team, and, and you gave some real compelling reasons why Zach Johnson ultimately made that, those choices. Uh, we're going to come back after this. We're going to look at Team Europe, and we're going to we're going to get your picks and a couple of really interesting stories about some Hall of Fame golfers. We'll do that when we come right okay. back. Forever twenty four fit Leland's only gym with twenty four hour access. Get fit when it's convenient, utilizing Life Fitness cardio and weight machines. And for those of you who prefer free weights, there is a free weight area as well. Start your membership today and get on your way to a better you. Six Happiness. Enjoy fresh Asian cuisine in a relaxed and friendly atmosphere where we believe good times deserve great food. Featuring the best sushi chefs in the Leland area. So come on in and we guarantee you will be delighted. Welcome back to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm Les Swartz, joined by Lance Seymour, talking a little Ryder Cup. We we kind of handicapped the U.S. side. Now let's go to the home team, which is actually Europe, playing in Europe this time. This is Team Europe. And why don't we take a look at Team Europe's uh, roster here, Lance, and maybe you can uh, – we, we, I'll tell you one thing. They got the hottest golfer in the world in Victor Hovland, that's for sure. Right, right. Um, to me, the 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 100-pound beast there is John Rahm. Um, He's just an assassin. I, I don't know how you're going to. And the other thing that Europe does different than the United States, we always seem to have more feelings about playing time than Europe. I would bet you that there's a few players on this squad, Hojgaard, McIntyre. They're probably going to play two matches and be done. They're going to play singles and they'll sneak one in, see how they do. Um, they're not afraid to run McElroy, Rom, Hovland, uh, Fleetwood. I, I don't. He's ranked 15th, but I'm telling you, he's look out. Um, even Justin Rose, he's another one of these guys I was talking about on the U.S. side where he's just he's fearless. He he doesn't care. He's already made his bones. He's going to he's going to be a problem. Sepp Straka, not a name a lot of people know, but, um, 
you if you follow PGA Tour leaderboards, he always seems to be around there. True. He's, he's um, had a very good year. Yeah, and and then um, you know even before we got on air, you and I had talked about uh, Adberg, and this kid is is as good as anybody out there. And and I've seen the pattern before. They're gonna pair him with a Rory or a Rom to build his confidence up because he's gonna feel like he's got that Teflon jacket around him and you know, in a four ball match, even if he struggles a bit, you, if you got John Rahm on the other side, you're feeling okay. Um, and I think he's going to surprise some people. And I'm not worried. Another thing on the U.S. side, a lot of people talking about Scotty Scheffler's putter. He'll be fine. The guy knows how to win. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. They, they can all strike the, the golf ball, obviously, but Scheffler's oh, yeah. like unbelievable. He's got to be the yes. best ball striker in the world. Now, you brought, you brought up uh, Ludwig Eberg uh, from, mm -hmm. from Sweden, and I think he finished number one in the PGA Tour school or something this year. He, in, in, he's only played in like one or two tournaments in his whole career. He's 22, I think, 21 or 22 years old. And do you think that maybe because he hasn't been here before, that the moment isn't going to be too big for him. Like you said, they'll pair him with someone who's a veteran that's been there, and he won't be as nervous as maybe someone who's been through this a few times. I absolutely agree with that because he's ignorance is bliss in this case. He, you know, he's always probably been the top player, top amateur, top college player. Um, he suddenly makes the Ryder Cup right away. He's going to get paired with a superstar who's going to cover him, keep his emotions in check. Keep his energy up, and I think he's going to be great. He's our Scotty Scheffler of last year. You know, I remember Scotty Scheffler was a very uh, controversial pick, but if you ever watched him play in match play, you realize the guy has ice water in his veins. He just – he's fearless, and you could see it. And then that propelled him to the number one player in the world. So he's I think we got to look out for the young guy. Yeah, well, let's let's see what they do. Let's see how Europe actually treats him. Um, now, the interesting thing is normally, and especially two years ago, is we were the ones who were the bombers, right? We were the guys who were long off the yeah. tee. Um, we set that team up, you know, DeChambeau and DJ and Justin and all these players. But if you look at it this way, it's almost flipped. I looked at the the rankings and the you know the, the statistics in the tour. Uh, they've got a ton of Europeans in the top 20 or 30 in driving distance and total driving, mm -hmm. led by Rory McIlroy, who led the PGA uh, in, in driving distance. So it's kind of reversed a little bit with Team Europe. It absolutely is. We They averaged 308 off the tee. We averaged 305. It's always been the other way around and by a bigger margin than that. Um, and so they, they used to try to narrow the golf course, shorten it up, play target golf, raise the rough and and take our bombers away and now it's kind of the other way around where um we're actually the more accurate team we're the shorter team and one thing i think they may have done wrong i don't know if you looked at the the breakdown of this golf course I it's, it's all it's all extremes so you're going to start off with a 444 445 yard par five, par four the next one is like 520 par four and then a couple holes later, you have a 300-yard par four. So they want to prioritize length and long irons, but then they also want the excitement of driving the greens. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting setup. I, I don't know if I agree with the way they set it up. It's uh, par 71, 7,200 yards. That's not going to scare any of these guys. They play that in the majors all the time. Um, but it's the configuration. It's the extreme difference between the long par fours and the short par fours. 
that that is interesting, and I think that definitely plays into the strength of the Europeans because I think there's a number of them that can actually go for those greens. Uh, I know a lot of guys will try, but I, I think McElroy can do that, and Rom can do that, and Hovland can do that. Uh, Hatton is sneaky long, you know he is. He's a very mm-hmm. sneaky long player, and he's been playing exceptionally well. Uh, th- these are guys that I'm looking down the list here that do not have great Ryder Cup records because they've only played one one, and that was in the United States when they got bombed 19 to nine a couple years ago. But Fitzpatrick is not as bad as his 0 and 5 record. He's one of the best putters in the world. Hovland is 0 three yep. and two. He's on fire right now just winning the uh, the FedEx Cup and he's his short game is like now world class where it was maybe a weakness before and I think mm-hmm. he's I mean I just think these guys are ready to bust out in this in this Ryder Cup yeah they could be and you know you brought up Victor Hovland I, I have watched him many 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 times and up until a couple of recent breakthroughs he had a little bit of the Sergio Garcia in him where he would always be in contention, and then he would always somehow find a way to to blow it. Always, you know, he finished second, third, fourth, but something would happen, you know. And and I still, I'm not a hundred percent convinced he's figured it out, because once that stuff gets in your head, now maybe he has with the recent success, <clears throat> but um, and I, I, Victor Hovland's an amazing player, there's no question. And he's what? So, only, I think he's only 25 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. That's yeah. I mean, and but, he's out of Oklahoma he State, right? He's, he's with that, all those, you know, the Ricky Fowlers and all these other kids coming out of Oklahoma State. Yeah. So, yeah. And he was one that was destined for greatness. And, you know, not everybody figures it out right away. Not everybody comes out <clears throat> in a sport and just right away clicks and starts winning like a, like a Tiger did or, um, or even Phil for that matter. Um, sometimes it takes a few years to sort it out and kind of get, get that feel for winning. Uh, Chesler blew a lot of a lot of tournaments before he started winning. Well, what would you know, and then once he got it, yeah, no, and I, I agree with you on that, and I, I do think he's matured, and his game has yeah. really, really uh, has taken off, and it, it, it's proven by the success rate this year in the PGA Tour. Um, so we've got we basically looked at Team USA and Team Europe. We're going to actually we're going to save your prediction for about a little bit down the line. We're going to bring in our very own Benny the Book, the King of Carolina, and, and you guys are going to make your picks. But real quickly. It's, you've got a very interesting background because, you know, you, you played collegiately at Arizona. Mm-hmm. You, you were a Wildcat. You played for the Toreros, which nobody besides you and me know who the Toreros are. That's um, right. But this guy, Craig, out there does know all these nicknames, so he does know who the Toreros are. But you played junior golf with a couple of Hall of Famers, and they're iconic names in the golf world. Uh, they would be Phil Mickelson and Ernie Els, and you've got some... When you played with these guys, uh, kids growing up, did you see uh, uh, greatness uh, on the horizon for for Phil or for Ernie? Were they that much better than? Uh, I'm not gonna say better than you, but were they that much better than the, than the average amateur at that time? Like, what was it like playing against them? I, so my first experience with Phil Mickelson was um, this would have been ni- 1983, I think. I was 13 and I, I qualified for this tournament called the Union Tribune here in San Diego. And it was a course that I hated. I mean, I really hated this golf course. So I go out, I finished the round and I didn't know who Phil was. Um, I finished the round and I had shot 84 that day. So I was pretty happy with myself at 13 on a course that I don't like. And then we, my dad and I run up to the scoreboard and we're looking and we're looking up and down the names and we see 68. And we're like, oh, that's got to be a typo. It's got to be 86. I mean, who's, 
who's Phil Nicholson, you know, and that was my first kind of taste of what was coming for many, many years afterwards. Um, And then it continued on into high school golf. um, Although our teams usually beat his teams. His teams didn't have the depth that we did. Um, And then, you know, continued on into college and he, he was different. And then, you knew, but he was a more fiery guy. Mm -hmm. So I played with three hall of famers, Phil, Ernie, and Jim Furyk. Phil was had a, had a little more passion and energy, something a little different than the other guys, Ernie and, and Jim Furyk were, they're just almost emotionless robots. And I mean that in a good way on the golf course. But you you know, Lance, just to interrupt you for two seconds. So you're speaking about these two guys and you want to talk about, Two guys who are known for their swings, right? Ernie, the big easy, that real long, smooth, languid swing. And Jim Furyk, did he have that hitch and that crazy kind of swing back then? Oh, he did. And I didn't know who he was. And I, when I realized uh, it was actually, (laughs) he he transferred to University of Arizona and took one more spot. That was kind of why I left Arizona. I just couldn't keep battling. Only five guys get to go in college golf. Mm -hmm. And at Arizona, there was typically three or four guys that had guaranteed spots. So that would leave the the rest of us four or five battling every week for that one, you know, that one spot in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I just got after a few years, I'm like, I got to go somewhere. I got I'm getting splinters in my butt here. I got to get a, I got to get in the tournament and, and start playing. So that was why I transferred. But to your point. Um, I remember the first time I saw him on the driving range and they said, oh, this big name guy transferred in from like a junior college in Pennsylvania. And I see this flying elbow and you're like him, that guy, you know, and little did I know at the time um, that he would be one of the greats. I mean, he said, like you said, a Hall of Fame, all three of them, Hall of Fame careers. Phil, obviously, you know, there's and there's some things going on. You know, obviously, Phil's been in the the news a lot in the last couple of years with the whole live. And now there's a book coming out and it's going to say a lot of things, whether or not it's true or not. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the guy's probably, you know, trying to sell books. So, you know, some of it might be Mm -hmm. true, some of it not. I hope not for his sake, because he just seems like a really good guy. Uh, I've always liked watching him play. He's pretty accessible with the media. The fans love him. I mean, he's like a second son in the state of New York. Every time he goes there, they love him. So I, I hope it all works out for Phil. I really do. And, and you know, and things like that. But you've got a, another interesting. want to tell a quick story of, you know, Phil, and you actually were there the night that Phil met his wife, his wife now, Amy, uh, at, at that time back in the day. So why don't you... Maybe a quick story about how that actually happened and, and the connections and all that stuff. Sure. So um, I, I uh, once I was in Arizona, uh, a best friend on my high school golf team, Keith Stavarbro, was on the Arizona State team with Phil. And at the time, my sister, who was a supermodel, um, was dating Axel Rose. So they gave me these carte blanche passes to um, – backstage all the parties that nobody gets to go to with the band the whole business right and i just followed them around for a bit and they went to uh the the phoenix area and so i i called keith keith said phil wants to go so we jumped in a limo and the night before a a couple there was like these flash floods they get in arizona a couple of bridges had wiped out so we get stuck in traffic biblical traffic you're not getting anywhere close to this raceway and 
we finally, and it's hot, we have to get out of the car, out of the limo, and run to the concert because we're going to miss the whole thing. So we ended up getting there, watching the concert, and then it took us a half a day to get out. Wow. And that, that, that next morning was when Phil met his wife in the parking lot, hungover, tired, <laughs> sweating, a total mess, and we were all frustrated. <laughs> so it was quite an event. And they're... And- they're still still married and and they've been through a lot they've been through a lot too i mean she had the breast cancer back in the day and i don't know it was 10 15 years ago or something like that so again that's yeah. another it's kind of a soft spot I, I i really root and i pull for phil now what i'd like to do is i would like to bring on if we can my amazing producer tony and try to get three of us on at the same time which we've never accomplished and that would be benny the book the king of carolina if we can somehow get benny in here I don't know if we can. There he is. I see him out of the corner of my hey eye. Hey, guys. How you doing? Benny, how you doing? Benny. What's going on, Les? So Lance. what I'd like to do, because I know, oh. you know, Lance is in the West Coast. It's three hours earlier. He does have prior commitments, and we want to thank him, obviously, for making time for us. But I want to get your picks, and I want to know why. So I'm going to go to our guest, Lance, and I'm going to get your pick on the Ryder Cup. Who's going to win this thing and why? Okay. Um, well. I, it, it pains me to say this because I I love the Ryder Cup with all my heart and I want to beat them so bad. But home field advantage, as it were, home course advantage in this event is too much. It's too much. I think John Rahm is too much. I think Rory is going to absolutely go crazy. I think Fleetwood's going to go crazy. And I think they're going to clip us, um, you know, by, by a point. I think it's going to be like a 14 and a half, 13 and a half. And I don't want that to happen. Um, I, I'm, I was looking at earlier. We haven't had a close Ryder Cup in over a decade. The last one that was a point was 2012. Wow. They've been blowouts. That's not going to happen. You're not going to blow this this USA team off the uh, map. But I just, you know, it, something about these events, and, and I'll go even deeper in the prediction. I, it, it comes down to the 18th hole. There is going to be a half a dozen matches or more that are tied going into 18 and it's a par five reachable in two. Somebody's going to birdie it and somebody's not. Somebody's going to miss the fairway and somebody won't. And I think that's going to turn the tide when this is all over. If you look at who won the 18th the most, that's your winner. All right. So Lance likes team Europe to retake the cup. Benny, you're our uh, betting guru on obviously everything football right now. What is your take on the Ryder Cup and why? I agree with Lance. Uh, I think that there was a few guys that you didn't mention, like Shane Lowry, won a major. These 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 guys just seem tough. Like you know, like they've been fighting all their life. It's it's the small little countries against the big USA and uh, USA privileged. Uh, other countries less privileged. Uh, I just they just they just seem hungry of the European golfers. He mentioned Tommy Fleetwood. I love the guy. I think he he's always there. He's always there. Um, you brought up a point about Hovland. In the last year, his short game has gotten tremendous. That's why he won all these years. You were absolutely right. I, I I rooted for the guy every tournament, and he was always there. He'd finish second or third. He'd do something stupid. He'd hit it. He'd hit it. He'd miss the green by five feet, and then he wouldn't get up and down. All these guys, 
That's what that's what you got to do to win. You got to get up and down. They're all going to bomb it out there. They're all going to they're all going to hit good iron shots. You got to you got to get up and down and you got to and you got to make the putts. Europeans, the Spaniards, they're like very creative. You know, they they make these shots that they practice shots that other golfers probably don't practice. You know, Seve was always like that. They always had a had the guy that Caught these guys, and uh, I think that's the big difference. And I think uh, I think the I agree with Lance. I think your Europeans are going to win. Uh, it's a good underdog. They're 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 not they're not a big underdog, but they're. Do you they're think an it's underdog. a close match? Do you think it's you know, Lance? Got- uh, no, I think I I I I don't. I think European your Europeans are going to win it pretty handily. Wow. Okay. I they, they they got some golfers there that like he, he was talking about Ricky Fowler. He's a great guy. They got some of the best U.S. golfers left off the team, yeah, because of the live situation. And I, I, I just like looked, and even a guy like Lowry, Fitzpatrick, these these are some of the best golfers in the world, and they're at the bottom of the Euro- European list. Right. Like he said, you got Rom, you got you got uh, Rory, you got you got some big Hovland. D- d- three of the best golfers in the world. And then they got these other guys, Fleetwood and Lowry that are always there. All right. So you're agreeing with our guest Lance and both your team Europe as much, you know, something I'm I'm going team USA because someone's got to stick up for the good old red, white, and blue. So I'm going team USA. You know, we're going to wrap it up in a couple minutes and go, but I just wanted to throw this out there because Benny's on here. Benny's an avid golfer. I'm a semi-avid golfer. I want to ask Lance this one quick question. It take two minutes. A mid to high handicapper plays maybe once a week on a Sunday. What's the biggest thing he can take getting to the golf course? Or what's the biggest thing he needs to really concentrate on? Is a It's a once a week golfer to try to at least... St- Maybe shave one or two strokes off his game. What's the best thing? And I know Benny's going to say for me not to play. That's not true. I'm no, just going to ask no. the question: What do I need to do to shave one or two strokes off my game? You know, I have this conversation with a lot of friends that are you know shooting in that 90 range, and there's you're shooting 90 because there's something wrong with your game. Um, there's somewhere that you're deficient, and you need to focus on where that is. Are you missing? Are you picking up penalty shots? Are you three putting? Do you have a problem in the bunker? I heard that might be your thing, Les. Absolutely. Um, I need a pail and a shovel. So, so he's going to laugh. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So you you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. It's one way or another because bunkers are not going away. Um, but everybody has two or three areas that they're losing the majority of their strokes. And you need to address those specific parts of your game. Um, for me, I know where I struggle. Um, and, and I, and I try to learn how to fine tune those even in the middle of the round. I mean, if you, you know, if you're missing short putts, did you try, have you tried a different grip, you know, try, try the claw grip, try something, try anything to change the mechanism. Cause golf is in our head. Most of it. Very, very much. And then that's a, what Benny's going to say. I need a psychologist very, along with you me. You need a psychologist. From, I do. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I need one too, right? Unless you play with me plenty of times. Nice. I'll, 15 holes, you'll you'll think I was a scratch golfer. And then three holes, 
seven, eight, seven. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I lose the focus. But that's what I, makes I, this game so frustrating, guys. <laughs> it's so frustrating because you can have a string of three or four holes where you go, you know, three pars and a birdie, and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot in the seventies today, and then you just go out, and it's like you forgot how to actually play the game of mm-hmm. golf. Like you just forgot mm-hmm. how to swing. Why does yeah. that happen? I don't know, but I can tell you the great ones. We talked about them earlier. They don't let it get to them. My right. dad used to always tell me that he he would. They didn't allow parents on a golf course in these events, so he would patrol around the fences on the outside. And he said, "I could, within a few shots, know exactly what you were shooting, just based on your body language." Wow. The 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 Ernie's and Furyk, they could have made eagle or double bogey, and nothing changed. Nothing. They they. They don't let it get to them. They don't hang on to it. Um, and I think that's where most of us amateurs go awry is you you have those good holes, you get off to a good start, and then a few bad ones, and you're wondering, what's wrong? Oh, my God, you mm-hmm. get frustrated. You hang on to it. Um, exactly. So it, it's learning to just move on, on to the next shot. That's golf. That's golf. It is. That is golf. Golf, golf is one bad shot. You can make it, the next shot is good. You're right back in the. You're right back in there. And that's all you right. need is that that's, one good shot. But that's very. But that's very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know. I, I want to say it's it has been a a, a privilege to have you on. Uh, I want to thank you for taking time. I know it's difficult with the you know the three hour delay. You know three hour delay. The three hour behind in California for you to make time to come on the show. Got to love the fact that we're both Charger fans, which is outstanding. Yes. Um, again outstanding analysis here. I think this is great. And we're going to really check this out as we move into the weekend and watch the Ryder Cup. So I want to thank you again, Lance, for coming on. I hope to have you on next year. If you can make time to talk about some of the majors, uh, you know, we can we can do the same thing. We can debate maybe lives in a different place next year. We'll see how that's going. But uh, again, I want to thank you very, very much. I want to wish you a very great weekend and hit them straight. Always. All thank right, you, Lance. Lance. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right Take back care, with All Betty right, the Book, the King of Carolina, after these messages. Jim's Pawn and Guns Shop, located at 4212 Oleander Drive, Wilmington's number one firearms dealer. Sporting a large inventory, including all brands of handguns and long guns, a full stock of accessories, and all types of ammunition, Jim's Pawn and Guns Shop has it all including the best customer service in the area. Before the lights go out, call Wilmington Generators. We offer the lowest price and a 10-year warranty for all Briggs & Stratton installations. A Briggs & Stratton powers more of your home for less money. Call for a free quote. Wilmington Generators. We play with power. But we're back, and again, we want to thank Lance for coming on and, and joining the show. Uh, we've got Benny the Book, and we're going to do Benny the Book's picks this week. we got to congratulate Benny. 7-1 last week in totality, 4-0 in college, and 3-1 in the pros. And it's not easy to pick these games, folks, especially this season in the NFL. It's topsy-turvy. So, Benny, congratulations on going 7-1 last week. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Hopefully I could do as well this week. And it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I'll tell you, the, the pros, I was watching a show today, and, and he, the guy was talking about it. He goes, one week a team looks terrible, and then the next week they 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 
shellac a team. Like, look at the Texans. The Jaguars were supposed to be an up-and-coming team. I, unfortunately, got stuck on them the first few weeks of the season, and I took them. And I'm not going to fall into that trap this week again. I'm going to stick aw- stay away from that game. I would, Sometimes stay off, you, I would stay off the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon for at least yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, but. yeah you see, see how they turn it around. Maybe they'll turn it around. But uh, I got some good ones for us this week, I think. And hopefully I'll do as well as I did last week. Uh, well, before we get to the picks, I, I just want to quickly go over. We always talk Heisman every week, right? And this is one of those mm-hmm. things where, you know, you have a, a, a great game, you elevate, and you don't have such a great game, and you kind of fall out of contention for the Heisman. But, you know, this week there was a big game, you know, and you had won that game. You took Notre Dame. Uh, they did cover. Uh, they should have won the game. I think that was yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, miscues by having 10 players on the field and two plays they, against they, Ohio State. They gave the game away. I, you know, I, I, they dominated the whole second half. Uh, a few questionable play calls. You know, they, they try to run a trick play, just run the clock out. They were just trying to run the clock out. They, they would have got one or two first downs. The game was over. And unfortunately they didn't. And then the defensive coordinator, for whatever reason, they were blitzing the guy every every down, mm-hmm. and then on fourth uh, fourth and nineteen at the twenty two yard line, he decides to put his guys in the end zone, and the guy throws the ball to the one yard line. Ha, ha, line up at the three yard line and let him catch it before you. I don't know why the Notre Dame guys were behind the guy. Yeah, that's a head scratcher to me. I didn't understand you know, that at all either. And then, of course, and, it's hard enough though, Benny, to stop a team eleven on eleven. Now you're playing short handed. Right, yeah, two two plays, ten players on the team. Uh, defensive court and in the pros, the defensive coordinator probably be fired. But uh, in college, uh, I think it's a little bit different, you know. So Sam but, Hartman, uh, you know, obviously, it wasn't like he played a terrible game at all. But no, you know, but he, he, he didn't didn't play. He didn't do anything special. Nah. He didn't do anything special. He kind of they falls out of thing. Yeah. Um, there's a new there's a new man leading in the uh, in Vegas. Uh, Mr. Penix from Washington Mr. has Penix taken the lead Jr. as the as the as the favorite, and I think you have four five guys in the Pac-12. Four players are, in the Pac-12 in the top well, eight for the Heisman, right? Right. Now. So uh, uh, you you I picked Washington State last week, and Ward was he was he was phenomenal. He I was watched that game, Benny. I watched that game the entire game. And this kid in the first half was 19 for 20 for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. I mean, he looks like the real deal. And Washington State looks like they're on a mission to prove everybody, you know, you know, listen, you know, you blew up the Pac-12. Well, guess what? We're coming after you and we're making it personal. I really believe that. Yeah, but it's going to be tough, though, because uh, Oregon and Washington both look like very powerful teams. I mean, Bo Nix is right there for the – for the Heisman, yeah, you know, but it's, it's going to be a wild one. They're all uh, Utah. I, I I won with them last week. They scored one offensive touchdown without their without rising, which is they, amazing. They're undefeated and they have no offense. Their right. offense has been they, non-existent. Their defense was smothered. UCLA. They smothered the kid. It, you know, he he he. Looks like he has great potential. I mean, he really, you know, he took a, they, they put a lot of pressure on him. They, they had, a, they beat him down and uh, their defense was able to hold them off. I was going to say, I think in the last series, UCLA got the ball back and Utah had three straight sacks on, yeah. on second, yeah. third and fourth down. Yeah. And, and they went just, from the 20 yard line and, to the, to the one yeah, yard line. Yeah, and just took the game and just took the game away. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. look at, 
you know, we, we're going with four picks in the pro uh, in college and four yep. in the pros this week. Again, seven and yep. one last league. You are the king of Carolina. You have ascended to your throne. Let's see <laughs> if you can stay there this week. And let's go with our the first game. You've got Syracuse and Clemson. What do you what do you like in here? All right. I'm uh, I'm I'm really liking Syracuse plus the six and a half points over Clemson. Clemson gave a gave the game away last week to, to uh, Florida State. They should have won the game. They're winning a whole game. But I, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed with Clemson. Um, uh, Florida State's defense played pretty well against them, and they just they just didn't look like the same old Clemson. They made a f- they f- made a few mistakes, and Syracuse is four and zero. Very powerful offense. Garrett Schrader's played really well at quarterback, minimized mistakes, and has run the ball very well. Yeah. And and they and they they always play good in the dome. They they love playing at home. So I really uh, like Syracuse plus the six and a half right. points. So we're taking the orange over the other orange, Clemson. Clemson this one's Tigers. a head scratcher for me. I, I I'm kind of I, I don't know about this one. This is Nebraska I, at home against the Wolverines of Michigan. Who do you like? I, I like I like Nebraska. I just have a funny feeling. I, I watched I watched the game against Rutgers. The score at halftime was 14-7. Rutgers was right in the ball game. And they were marching to tie the score. And they tried this little screen pass. And there was like a, a pile of like six guys. And all of a sudden, one of the Michigan guys comes running out of the pile and runs 70 yards for a touchdown the other way. And, and at, after that, it was over, you know, uh, Rutgers didn't have, didn't have the offensive firepower to come back once they got behind and they knew that. So uh, I got a feeling that the Cornhuskers, they're going to keep it close. And, uh, I think this 17 points at home will be good against now, Michigan. And now this isn't, this is a rumor. Uh, it isn't. It's, it's an unfounded rumor that that play that Rutgers ran was actually called in by TC to Greg Schiano. I mean, is that? Right. Can we substantiate mm, that? Yeah, that that sounds that sounds like right. Yeah, that's some Tom uh, TC would call. That's know. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm, Tom. Yeah. We're just kidding you. Uh, yeah. We've got the third game. You've got is is a very good team. Actually, they've lost one game this year, but a very offensive. Uh, another off team with a lot of offensive firepower. That's the Tulane Green Wave playing the UAB Blazers. Who do you okay. like in this one? Uh, I'm going to lay the 21 and a half points with Tulane. That's a lot uh, of points, Ben. They they got a they got a very good very very good offense. They the the they went to uh, they lost on the road and they were right in it. They could have had they had two chances to to win the game and ended up uh, losing, I think, by ten points. But they're offensively, they have a very good offense. UAB's coming off playing Georgia, so I have a feeling they probably are uh, a little banged up. You know, Georgia didn't they scored twenty four points against Georgia, which is kind of miraculous because Georgia has a tremendous defense. They do, so but I, they haven't looked really that fantastic this year either. Yeah, they really haven't. Yeah. But they 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 got they got the players. Their quarterback uh is starting to play much better. Yep. Georgia. He's starting to he's starting to fill it in there. So if he you know if he plays normal with that defense they could beat anybody. That's but, true. But uh I got a feeling UAB had a tough game last week coming off Georgia Tulane is going to put a big number on the board offensively. All right, so, so you I, like Tulane. I like the Tulane. 
with 21 and a half points. Okay, so laying, the laying number four game yeah. is obviously this is your you're you're rolling with these guys always. It's your wet. Yeah, I know you're wearing the shirt. You got the thing in the back. West the Virginia West Virginia Avenue. Mountaineers. You're now this is crazy. I think they're getting 12 points against TCU. Points I, against I like TCU. this pick. I like this pick. Now, now. I've been to plenty of West Virginia TCU games. I I was going to wear my shirt. Uh, West Virginia has a very very good defense. They've been playing very well. I I didn't expect much out of them, but I've I've watched them the past few weeks. Defense playing very well. Uh, they have a very very good running game. The strength of their team is their offensive line. They have an All American center, probably the best center in the country. So they're winning the way you really win football games. Defense running the ball. Um, I don't know. I don't know for sure if their quarterback is back because he got hurt in the first quarter two games ago and they played with their backup quarterback last week. But TCU, they had their year last year, lost all their all their play. I know they scored forty something points last week, but that was against SMU who doesn't have a great defense. Yeah, I I I West Virginia plays well on the road. I, I you know, I don't I'm not going to tell you they're going to win the game, but I think it's just going to be a close close ball game. So, 12 points I think you. I think we're going to be very good. You're taking the With guys the running game and the defense. Okay, so, Morgantown. Okay, so you got Syracuse at home getting points. You got Nebraska at home getting points, a ton of points. You're taking Tulane at home to blast UAB, and you got West Virginia on the road getting 12, which getting 12. I, I actually really do. Like. I'd like West Virginia to win that game outright. To be honest with you, I think they could win that thing. Uh, they uh, could, uh, you know. I got, I got a, I got a, I got a bonus game for you to just watch because right, I was we, looking. Who are we looking in your bonus I look, pick? Here? I look, I look through all the games. Air Force is laying ten and a half at home to the San Falcons. Diego State. Playing fantastic. They're undefeated right now. They're undefeated. The Falcons. Very, very good offense. They, I think they, they almost shut out. I think they won thirteen to three last year at San Diego at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. So I. I, I have a feeling that they're going to put a big number on there. So I, I could see them easily winning the game by two touchdowns. All right. So that's so the books. Just keep an eye on that. I'll just uh, I always watch the a, service academies, Ben. So you know. that's the bonus pick here for us. Now we're going to look at the NFL. And oh. you and I talk about this. It, it is so difficult to pick these games early on. I mean, there's games yeah. that don't make any sense. How does Houston win by 20 at Jacksonville? How do the Cowboys, after giving up 10 points total in two games, give up 28 to a team that doesn't even have their quarterback, right? right. Josh Dobbs yep. is starting yeah. for the Arizona well, Cardinals. You just, um, you just don't know in the How N- did the Miami the Dolphins score 70 points in a football game? Against yeah. Denver's 70. looking really, really sad. There's, so, there's some really bad-looking teams this year. The Chicago Bears are, are horrible. They're they, 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 they dissension in the team. Who's talking about? Uh, they're not letting me play right. It's 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 a real mess there. Yeah. But uh, did you think well, he's going to be gone? And uh, by I, my prediction is by week eight, if they don't turn this around this week and beat Denver, Eberflus and his coaching staff, they're gone by week eight. No doubt about it. Yeah, they, they, I, I would I would think so because they already got rid of the defensive coordinator. I think right a, a week yeah, ago. Yeah, there was some so crazy they, things going on got, about the yeah. FBI. I don't know what happened mm-hmm. there, but. But uh, it's it's a crazy it's a crazy NFL and what I was listening to a, a professional athlete on one of the shows on TV just today, and somebody said to him, "Well, what, what they were talking about the, how how does this happen?" He says, 
you got to realize these are the best athletes. He goes, it's very small things could change that could, any team could beat any team. And he also mentioned the fact, you know how like some teams used to say, oh, uh, the USC squad could beat the worst team. He goes, no way. He says, uh, the worst NFL team would destroy Alabama They because it's just a different level. Mm-hmm. You got, they, they're all great athletes. They got they got to the NFL for a reason, mm-hmm. and uh, it's he says any anything could happen because they were all that close. He said, you know, the Cardinals they played really tough. He goes, they could be they could be three and zero. They they were killing the Giants. Yeah. They fell apart in the fourth quarter. So uh, that's what it, that's what it is. Is so I looked at some of it. I thought it was a pretty tough week. I came up with four games. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, you never know. Like, uh, let's start at the first game. All let's right. Go. And that's Kansas City and the uh, the New York slumping Jets. Right. Now, you look at this game, you say, the Jets, they can't even score. Right. And Kansas City, they're great, right? They put on points on... I like I, I'm gonna have to go with Kansas City laying a nine and a half. I okay. think the Jets are really in a lot of trouble. Their their offensive line wasn't good. You know, I I I Aaron Rodgers, the best thing might have happened to him that he got hurt because he might have got killed during the year. Uh, you know, they they thought he could he could offset the 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 line, like get rid of the ball or whatever, but they they they'd be chasing him around. So I'm going to have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs laying a nine and a half oh, at, the, at the New York Jets. Nine and a half on the road. But you know something? They've got a little extra behind them, evidently. Uh, the big news with Kansas City isn't Patrick Mahomes. It's not Andy Reid. It's Travis Kelsey, Kelsey. is dating Taylor Swift. Yes, very. She was at the game. Did you see how she was with his mother and she was screaming and yelling? So what is this, the Swift factor? Yes, it's the Swift factor. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go. Do you, with... <laughs> do you know his jersey past Mahomes because everybody because of Taylor all Swift? The, all, all the Swifties are are grabbing his jersey. They're all football fans now. Oh God! Well, you know something. Uh, good luck to her. Good luck to him. I don't think this thing's gonna last. <laughs> this is another one of those. You know, Aaron Rodgers was dating Shaleen Woodard, the actress, and. Yeah, he went into a cave somewhere for five days, and that didn't work out. So I don't think this thing has any legs either, but eh, whatever. Good luck to them both. Uh, yep. We got next, we got the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who were undefeated, playing against Washington, who got thumped at home last week. I mean, they got throttled by the Bills. What do you, who do you like and why? Um, I like the Philadelphia Eagles laying the eight points against the uh, Washington Commanders. You, you didn't say Commodores. I did. Finally, it took me took me three weeks, but uh, Philadelphia isn't playing that well. But they're they're still winning, and they're winning decisively. I mean, they they don't look great. So sooner or later, they're gonna the, the, the it's gonna start. And I was very disappointed in Washington last week. I I, I guess maybe Sam Howell maybe doesn't have it. You know, he's a you know rookie. You know, eh. They they really got thumped by Buffalo, and uh, I got a feeling that uh, they, they'll win this game by at least ten points. Philadelphia. Well, I hate to say it in our NFL preview show with John Johnny Greyhound. I said I hope Sam Howell doesn't play like Thurston Howell, and unfortunately, he did last week. He did, yeah. So hey, he played you, he played very well in the preseason, and they were expecting very good things from him. 
but uh preseason is not is not the uh real real de- real deal no, you know, guys, he's playing against guys who are going to be flipping burgers in a right, week, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's so you like Philly. Won't even be on the roster. Okay, so you like Philly, you know, given the eight, uh, yep. given the eight. Now the third game is another team that's playing lights out on defense. Um, obviously, Nick Chubb going down, huge loss for the Browns. Jerome Ford's picked it up a little bit, and I think they just got Kareem Hunt back into yeah, the fold, yeah. correct? Uh, and it, they they had good news. He's gonna he's gonna be able to recover, and he's gonna be back. He is. I did not. I did not hear that. Second major, yeah. They said it wasn't. They 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 wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Okay, better than they expected. But you know, he's going to miss the year. But he will. He will be back next year. That's good. Not career ending. But their defense is playing lights out, and they've got a game against. They've got a corral. Lamar Jackson, who ran for over a hundred yards in a loss, and you predicted that one. You said they were losing a lot of guys last week. They had seven, seven, seven players out. Uh, I don't know. It's too early in the week. I don't know if they're all coming back or whatever, but the Browns defense is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Their Miles defensive Garrett. line, Miles Garrett, he's chasing everybody all over the place. Uh, and, they, and they're starting to move him around like they do, you know, other great defensive linemen so that you don't know, you, you never could know where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And they can't have a, a blocking scheme to say, okay, we know he's coming from here. We just move the move to, to guard over and we double team him or put the tight end over there. He he could be anywhere. He's standing up, running from every place. So I I really like the Cleveland Browns laying the two and a half against the Baltimore Ravens this week. All right, so you like it's the a brownies. big 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 divisional game. This is a very important game. Okay, divisional. this next game is going to make all the uh, all my friends back in New England make, and Massachusetts make, happy. Makes. Yeah, I hope you like that. Uh, I like the uh, New England Patriots plus the seven points at Dallas. Uh, I don't know. Patriots offense just, you know, they're not very explosive at all. But their defense, their defense could make uh, Dak Prescott commit, you know, stupid plays again. He's Belichick is good at that. Takes away, you know, they, they, they're, they're a tough defensive team. And that's what the Cardinals did to him. They they pushed him around, and uh, I I I don't. I'm not saying that the Patriots are going to go win the game. Mm-hmm. I mean they 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 beat the Jets. They only scored 15 points, you know, at New York. Oh, that, and I think um, 10 of them were uh, def, uh, the defense was didn't even account for. It was it was the offense that gave them the points. But I uh, I think the game will be close, you know. And I, I like New England plus the seven. You like the Pats plus the seven. So let's recap real quick. Benny's picks in the NFL. He's got Kansas City and nine and a half against the Jets. He's got the Philadelphia Eagles. I almost said Flyers. <laughs> got the Eagles <laughs> uh, giving eight to Washington. Uh, Cleveland, two and a half over the Baltimore Ravens. And the Patriots getting seven at on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Benny, before you go real quick, I, I know you didn't pick this game, but this is really the marquee game of the week, I think. And that's... You know, we're going to find out a lot about the Miami Dolphins. They're 3-0. and Like I said, they just put up the third most points in the history of the NFL. If they had gone for it to kick a field goal, they were at the 24-yard line at the end of the game, and McDaniel decided to just take a knee and not rub it in. But yeah, not they could sure. have tied it. Now, they're playing at Buffalo. Big, big Easter, AFC big, Eastern, you know, rivalry, game. big game. Uh, Buffalo's coming off, like you just said, Washington. They sacked Sam Howell seven times last week. You know, almost pitched the shutout. Who do you think is going to win this game? 
Oh, a real tough one. I know. Um, I would, uh, I would, I would tend to lean to, towards the uh, Dolphins. I think the line is uh, three and a half or three. I guess you would have to take the three and a, three, three and a half with the, with the Dolphins. Uh, could be a field goal ending game. Whoever has the ball at the end of the game, you know, because uh, Buffalo will score. You know, I don't. Denver, Denver's not an offensive juggernaut, so you can't really say that uh, their defense, Miami's right. defense, haven't really seen much of their defense. But Buffalo's defense has the last two weeks has played very well. And if and if he uh, doesn't make any mistakes, uh, I got a feeling it's going to be a last last possession game. Well, I'll say one thing. If, if they can keep Tua Tagovailoa upright, he's got, I, again, we, we say this every week, he's got weapons all over the place. But the most, to me, the most impressive thing of the Miami Dolphins last week was not that he threw for over 300 and, and he threw for some touchdowns. I think he had four. But it was they ran as a team for over 300 yards. Yeah. The kid from Texas yeah. A&M, I, I don't know how you pronounce it, Achane, uh, Achane or whatever, he gained yeah. over 200. Mostert had over 100. That's oh, he two, had three touchdowns. Yeah, three touchdowns. Yeah. That's two weeks yeah. in a row of that their running attack has gained over 200 yards and this week was over 300 mm-hmm. so if they continue to run the ball like they do that's going to take pressure off of Tagovailoa you're not going to be able to sit back and just blitz this guy and with the weapons he has I'm telling you right now if they beat Buffalo yeah, comfortably I'm telling you they're going to be dangerous Benny if that running game continues like you said the play action pass it, 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 it'll create so many openings for, for, for Tagovailoa and, and uh, they'll keep scoring I mean, and, but and they uh, didn't even play I, with Jalen Waddle. Didn't even play. Jalen Waddle, right? Correct. They played without one of their receivers. Incredible, yeah. incredible. They didn't need to. Well, All right. Well, listen. Good luck to everybody this week. Well, hopefully, listen. I, you, you, are you going to are you going to be I'll, on the throne again next week after going eight no this week? Are you going to do an eight uh, no this week? I I hope so. So don't the people who bet. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, we we appreciate it, Ben. We'll see you. Well, actually, I won't see you on the golf course this week, but uh, we'll no, see you yeah, around. Yeah. We'll see you around the hood. And uh, yep. I want to thank you very much. Have a great rest of the week. We'll be yep. right back with a wrap after this word from our newest sponsor, Millie's Ice Cream. Take Millie's care. Ice Cream Shop, a full-service store in the Waterford Shopping Plaza of Leland, offering an array of tasty treats including both hard and soft ice cream in a variety of flavors and delectable combinations to appeal to even the discerning palate, assured to put a big smile on everyone's face. Stop by today to enjoy your satisfying experience. Back to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm Les Swartz for The Wrap. Uh, by the way, Millie's ice cream is really really good just letting you know uh just want to always say to everybody out there uh please hit that subscribe button uh if you like the show please hit it comment next week we'll go back to the uh live chat section session it would be great uh we hope to have a good show for you we'll uh let you know when the shorts uh coming up this weekend what we're going to have next week but always let you know that sports talking sports is available via spot Spotify and Google Podcasts, that's brand new with us. And also be sure to follow Swartz Talk and Swartz on TikTok and Instagram at Swartz Talk and Sports. Again, very, very special thanks to Lance Seymour for coming on and talking right a cup with us. Benny the book, the King of Carolina. Let's go, Benny. Let's go in this week. Uh everyone have a great week. We'll see you next Wednesday, 7 p.m.